Welcome to It's Our Turn. Welcome to It's Our Turn. Queers in Cults. We would like to acknowledge the original inhabitants of this area, the Weot tribe, and thank the past, present, and future stewards of this land. This land acknowledgement does not exist in the past tense. Colonialism is a current ongoing process, and we need to build the mindfulness of our present participation. We all should take action to support our local indigenous communities. Go to honortax.org to find out more about whose land you're on and how to support those tribes. In this show, we talk about religious and personal trauma. Our episodes often include subjects centering around manipulation, gaslighting, coercion, toxic masculinity, patriarchy, shame, guilt, brainwashing, emotional, mental, and physical abuse. If any of these topics are things you don't want to hear today, please feel free to skip this episode. Your mental health is always the top priority. Is it happening? Is it, is it real? Are we on? Are we live? I think so. I can hear your phone notifications. This is <laughs> so much. You know what? I don't understand how this radio thing works. Like, is it? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely not. You are in the hot seat, my friend. It is yes, your coming out story. The mic is yours. So I, it's interesting because my coming out story was less about I always say that my coming out story isn't that I realized I was gay. It was that I realized it wasn't wrong, you know? Ooh, so I went, powerful. so some context for, I was raised, you know, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know, I was raised very strict Pentecostal Christian religious, um, cult. It was in a cult, uh, um, very cultish, <laughs> it had very cult like qualities. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was interesting because there, there were things like they didn't preach against homosexuality all the time because it was one of those things that was like, oh, no, that's so bad that we don't even need to talk about it because everyone knows. Everyone knows that that's wrong. So we, need yeah. to, we don't need to preach about that. We need to preach about more relevant things like cigarettes because that was a <laughs> constant thing that they talked about. Cigarettes and alcohol. You would think that drugs and alcohol and cigarettes were just being handed out at the front door of every establishment in the world. So it was so strange. It was and really I feel weird. like, it, correct me if I'm wrong too, that it wasn't talked about also because there was just that like avoid, like yep. suppress, yeah. don't educate. Like we won't even talk about it because it isn't even an option, you know? Yes, that's exactly what it was. If we don't talk about it, it's not a thing. Yep. It will It will never be an issue. Like, yep. like the they whole concept know. of, yeah, the whole concept <laughs> of sex education was so, it was like, we like they, we, like we don't talk about that because if we introduce these ideas then they'll be curious about it then they'll then they'll fall into the trap of huh. like temptation like 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 knowledge was like satan's gateway ooh that's a good one um so it wasn't talked about a lot but it was i don't even remember a specific time i just knew that being gay was wrong that that being like anybody who was attracted to the same sex that was just very 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 wrong yeah yeah and so i grew up with that and then eventually um without going into too much detail just because it's a traumatic thing the pastor the bad pastor when when the shit hit the fan with uh -huh. that um their grandson had done something absolutely horrible and 
uh, like went to jail for it. It was just very, it was very bad. It was very bad. Um, and so I had actually recently talked to my pastor at the time because I was struggling with homosexuality. Right. You know, I was, I, uh, um, I was wanting to like get free of it. It's something that it was one of those things. Like it's that stereotypical case of like when you hear like in movies and stuff where they, you cry at the altar every single Sunday, begging God to just relieve you of this. And then going home that night and watching porn (laughs) and then feeling like a horrible, worthless human and just repeating that cycle over and over and over again. And I really wanted that to stop. I wanted that shame and that guilt and stuff to stop. So I talked to my pastor about that, that I was struggling. And then when all of the shit hit the fan with his grandson, he would use my personal information about struggling with homosexuality to divert attention from his grandson. And he did that on at least one, if not multiple occasions with people where they would confront him about his grandson. He's like, I'm just overwhelmed with all this stuff with this person. And there's, you know, they're struggling with homosexuality. And yeah. So, so let me just get this straight. My mouth is uh, the Sahara Desert. <laughs> um, let me just get this straight. So you confidentially told your pastor about these like deep, like s- quote, not true, but sinful things that and, are like yes. crucial to your mm-hmm. salvation. Mm-hmm. And he used that not real burden mm-hmm. as justifying as whatever bullshit was going on. So, so he that's it was distraction so it was like distraction but also he came he like he came out for you like it wasn't even and he you didn't even get to come out on your terms and it wasn't even coming out it was more like it was more like um it was more like revealing that someone had like done something horrible or illegal like it was that kind of like and they said it to a good friend of mine and so i had who then cared about me and confronted me and was like hey, by the way, they said this. Is this a thing? And, like, I had to have this, like, conversation with them about it. Um, it, And that's not the first time that happened. So when my parents found out, I, there was this person that, um, that had gone to the church. I was, we were both, we were both adults at this time. But there was this person that had gone to the church when they were younger, were friends with the grandchildren of the pastor. Uh Uh-huh. And they were queer. They were they were gay, and we had somehow con- we had connected. They weren't going to church anymore. Um, I was still going to not. I don't know. I don't remember exactly the time frame. They and we kind of connected and like we didn't ever hook up, but it was very much like, oh, are you gay? Oh my gosh, are you gay? You're so hot. I'm so. Li-. And then it was like the the tech, that kind of thing, that kind of like back and forth and texting the, the and similar. The, yeah, mm-hmm. you found a connection. Yeah, and, and yeah, we talked about it, and it was you know got hot and heavy sometimes, and then I you know, had this like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I can't do this anymore. I can't, you know, like, I I can't do this. I'm going to go to hell. It was that thing. And so he got pissed off and then told my pastor about it, who then told my parents. So instead of like coming to me about it, I think that's actually was, that happened first. I think that's how it all came about. That's why I was talking to him about it. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure. Okay. And so him, that's how he found out. And so instead of him coming to me, I was in my fucking 20s. I was like 25 at this point. Instead of him coming to me, he went to my parents, told them, and then they came, like they just showed up at my house one day and was like, by the way, hey, this, we just found this out. 
you know, like what, wow. and it was this, and I had to like lie to him and be like, I'm so sorry. Like I, it's never, some, it's something I've struggled with, but I've never wanted it. I've never accepted it. And it was, oh yeah. Oh my God. So I never got the actual coming out, coming out. It was just my personal life was divulged to people for me. Well, but there's, I'm just, I'm seeing a lot of suffering and then you having to like, prove that you see this mm-hmm. as a burden mm-hmm. or like having to make it very clear that this isn't something you want this isn't the I'm not life accepting that you this. saw I'm for not, yeah, I'm not gay I'm actively just, working yeah. to get rid of it like mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a that's some digging it gets better <laughs> Here just we go. wait yeah i'm gonna strap in real quick yeah do it strap in strap on strap out whatever you need to all of this <laughs> <laughs> um so then, so we, one of the things that I say too about, about this, is that we weren't taught that being gay was wrong. We were taught that being gay wasn't real. So we, be, you know, they believe that like, that Satan used certain things for different people. That's why some people struggled with alcohol and some people struggled with drugs and some people sur- struggled with cigarettes. Cigarettes was like, cigarettes was like the quicksand of my church. You know, like when you're a kid, you think you're going to run into quicksand all the time because it's like so common. That's what cigarettes are. It's, oh it's my weird. God. Porn was that one for Mormon, for my Mormon experience. Oh, really? Porn, yeah. Porn was talked about all the time. That was the thing. And That's... homosexuality was very much spun in the everyone has some sort of like like hook that Satan is yeah. easy to grab onto yes, and homosexuality is one of those. That's exactly what it was. Um, yep. But the, um, oh shit, I just lost my train of thought. You're talking about how porn was like cigarettes, oh, yeah, which yeah. is like quicksand. It was like talked about all the time how it was out there and it's laying in wait and it's going to snag you and once you get addicted, it's done for and you, like it. this confession that you need to like keep tabs with your bishop so that it doesn't get bad. Mm-hmm. But, but and going, I don't know. Never mind. I'm not. I'm not gonna hijack no. this. No, it's your story. Go ahead. No, I, that that was I, yes. That <laughs> yes, but you're like, you're right about the hook. That was how it was. Ta- it was taught to us as well. And so, since being gay wasn't real, and it was something you could be delivered from, and I right. wasn't being delivered from it. Right. My pastor literally told me, "Well, since homosexuality isn't real, and you're not being delivered from it, it can't be homosexuality. You must be a sex addict." <gasps> Wow. No joke. Yeah. So now I'm being told that I'm a sex addict. So then I left that church. <laughs> I left that church and went to a different church in town. Much better. You know, got involved and was really fucking loving it. And then came to this point where I was like, I cannot continue to live this lie. I have to go tell the pastor of this church that I am a sex addict. Like I had to go have this conversation with the pastor of this church, who was amazing, by the way. Just want to like shout out like... Not all, I understand religion. I, I don't I like organized religion. I think this, it's very problematic fundamentally, but these people were good people. There and are continue good to people. be good people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, had to go tell this that I was, a, you know, I was addicted to porn, specifically wow. gay porn. So then he recommended a therapist to me who was horrible and um, who was one of those that told me that he believed, because I was trigger warning sexual assault i was uh, assaulted as a kid multiple times by uh, another family member that lived out of town and so i had that but during puberty like right before and during puberty i was assaulted by my <sighs> by a family member 
And so this therapist told me that because I was assaulted during puberty by a man where you where you start developing sexual feelings during puberty right because of that assault it attached to men and that was why that i thought that i was gay oh my god yeah so i was that is so invalidating and i also went to have you heard of celebrate recovery it's basically like christian aa way. oh yeah and it's it's really cool it works for a lot of people it's 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 actually it's it's like aa but like christian version like full on worship service christian jesus is the you know the foundation of it works for some people totally fucking great nice it's an addiction thing you it's the whole thing you get your 30 day cool cool that you, that's you, a really stable community for those that it works for yes but <laughs> i was going to it because i was told i was a sex addict so when you're going to something that's set up for any kind of treatment for something that you aren't is traumatizing truly you know truly. I like it's kind of like it's not exactly conversion therapy but it feels like that like it felt like it, like not the intense conversion therapy, but that's what it felt like, you know? And I want to make a distinction that there is a thing as sexual addiction or like sex addi yes. addiction, but it is very much in these society, in these religious settings that any sexual desire, any sexual drive or mm -hmm. like passion that any, again, period, any like they want to keep you in a childlike state mm -hmm. so any sexual desire is spun as a sexual addiction yes or um like um uh like uh, uh anyway just like really like yeah. they spin anything yep. as like the worst case scenario so there yes. is sexual addiction but this is not that and it <laughs> invalidates both it invalidates right. queer identities and sexual sexuality and it also invalidates people who actually do struggle with sex addic addiction which yes. is a thing yes so it's just it's just fucking offensive across the board yeah but that was my that was years of my life that was years of my life right before i came out and so i actually um did a, a christmas play at this church met someone who was really fucking cool and who invited me to audition at a play at ferndale and then i met people through the theater community and then like started and going out with them and you know going to their house parties and that kind of stuff and one of the people i met was very 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 gay in the best way possible <laughs> very gay um uh their name their nickname was ginger snap hell yeah and it was and it was because they were ginger and they could snap louder than i've ever heard in my entire life like in the middle of a bar l fucking loud music dance music so everyone's screaming he would like raise his hand and snap and you could hear it over everything you it know, was magic whenever it was superpower. whenever you're ready for like a real nerdy deep dive into the mechanics of a snap let me know oh yeah let's do it not uh, now but let's not do now it. but okay okay <laughs> um <laughs> that's fantastic so though i met this person and then finally like through them and alcohol <laughs> i had this like i was like wait a second i'm not the one with the problem they're the one with the problem and that was like my coming out like i finally like I mean, I had been like, let's be, I've been fucking, we've, I've been fucking, at this time, I, 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 I just, I've been fucking, end of the period, <laughs> full stop.
<laughs> it's not like I had been. It's, it's I, I hadn't been like abstaining. I had just been beating myself up over it. I had just been like feeling guilt and shame about. It. I was still doing it. Here's still fucking doing it. Here's the thing, though. Humans have needs that will not be ignored. Yeah. Human yes. bodies have needs that will not be ignored. No. And so it's not a question of if you will satisfy them it's when and so they will happen but yeah. for some people there is shame and guilt and trauma attached yes. to those normal human functions yes. exactly. so like and i and uh, i yeah so i i mean i say that lightly and and comically but i do want to clarify that when i would participate in that when i would you know hook up with someone or watch porn or whatever i would like cry i would sob i would just have purge of some sort. yes i would just really really be so hard on myself and felt like a worthless human like really felt like i was completely an utter failure worthless to everyone to god yeah. to everyone and yeah. i was a disappointment i was every time every single time you I had would, a physical mm -hmm. need yep wow. every time and that is traumatic in and of itself yeah so then I finally, at 29, I was 29 years old. I came out in August of 2013 at 29, and I turned 30 in November of 2013. And I finally came out, came out, accepted myself, did the whole, did the whole thing. Like out loud and proud. Yeah, did the whole thing for like six yes. months, like going out, hooking up with people, getting drunk, doing the thing. Doing living that life. Thing. Yeah, living the life. Living that, like, it was so, it was very cliche. And not in a bad way, just it was very cliche. Like, that when you hear that story, that was me. <laughs> I did it. And so I was doing, I did that for a while, and I kind of got to this point. And I was like, I need to get my shit together and, like, like you know, be responsible, be an adult, whatever. Whatever bullshit that I felt like at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And then I got, so this, so August 2013, in February 2014, February, March, March mostly, it just doesn't matter. But anyways, that time frame, six months later, I got very, very, very sick. Very sick. I got a flu that wouldn't go away. And over the course of like 30, between 30 and 60 days, I lost like 40, 50 pounds. Just Whoa. dropped. Um, I like had a flu that like the war, like... Imagine the worst flu you've ever had times that by 10. I've never been this sick in my entire life, and it wouldn't go away. How at, long? At least a month. Like, I had wow. apparently been, like, degrading for a while, didn't quite realize it. But then that last 30 days, it was full on, had a flu, would have a fever, like 103 fever. Like Whoa. not just like a not just like a ninety nine or a one hundred like a hundred and three degree fever. It would break like and it would come back a, come back a day or what was that? Capital F fever. Capital <laughs> F fever. Um, and it would come back and that just kept and I couldn't take care of myself. My mom, I had to like go to my parents and my I switched between staying at my parents and my sister's house because I literally couldn't take care of myself. I was so sick. Which is a whole other drama. Oh yeah. And I had I was planning on moving to Sacramento so I'd actually moved out of the place that I was staying which was a couple from the church who are fucking amazing to my favorite people still. Good, good. And then moved in with this like renting a room from someone for a couple months to save up money I was moving to Sacramento. Was planning on moving to Sacramento and I got really, really sick. There's this moment that I don't think I'll ever forget of where I knocked on my sister's door so that I could sleep on her couch because I was so sick I was afraid to be alone 
Um, and she opens the door and she looks at me and her countenance just changed. You could see the fear on her face. And she just looked at me and said, you have to get better. Like it was, oh, oh. it's like, it was, it was terrifying. I've never seen, my sister oh. was terrified. I was very sick. Oh. And um, so I go to the, oh, this is so frustrating. I go to the emergency room, sit there for six hours, get in, finally get to see a nurse practitioner. The nurse practitioner sits down in the chair, looks at me, says, yep, you have the flu, go home, drink some water drink some fluids and get some rest. I was back in the hospital a week later with 103 temperature that ended up going up to almost 105. I was like 104.5. <gasps> um, and I uh, ended up in the ER with meningitis. I had meningitis, which if you don't know about meningitis, it's the flu virus that goes past the protective like barrier and goes into your spinal fluid, to, no. from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had, a, I think, a version of it. That's a whole other story. But yeah. it's 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 more, it's just a little like more than the flu. It needs like a real medical treatment. Oh, yeah, because uh, meningitis, you pe some people like meningitis, once the flu virus goes into your spinal fluid or your spine or whatever, it can go anywhere in your body. Right. So people lose limbs. They go deaf. They go blind. If it goes to your heart or your brain, you die. People, you can, people who get meningitis have died within 48 hours of getting, of contracting it. Oh, shit. It. I yeah, didn't know it's, that. It's, it can be fatal. Holy shit. Yeah. I know a person who got meningitis and Whoa, um, they like collapsed in the ER and ended up losing part of their hearing because of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's dangerous. And, and it's so, like, thanks for listening to me mm -hmm. or like thanks for listening to you freaking yeah. nurse practitioner yep, what I the know. fuck and so I, I in I another moment I'm laying in this bed they do a flu test which is a flu test is just like the COVID tests that we're so used These to now days. but yeah. easier but yep. like it, it's exactly the same thing um, so they do this flu test they're like it's not the flu um, so we're going to check you for meningitis because you can die from that is That's what the, the doctor told step. me mm -hmm. right so they do that it is meningitis they didn't know if it was bacterial or viral, so I had to be isolated. But having that moment, there was a moment where my mom and my sister in the emergency room, there is as much, there was a, it was as likely that I was going to die as I was going to live. Like the, it wasn't, it wasn't like, a, ooh, this is scary. It was like, yeah. the, like I could die. Yeah, it's how I felt. I could die. So I'm in the hospital in isolation because if it's because ba it's right. bacterial. It's wildly contagious, but if it's viral, it's not at all. Uh -huh. They didn't know. Four days into that, which can we just also talk about how traumatizing that medical experience is? Being in the hospital, being isolated, having an IV in each arm constantly and having to have my blood taken three times a day to try to get this infection to go down. And like being alone for mm -hmm. that long, having that much going on like that. Like four days doesn't sound like a long time, it's but eternity. when you're alone, I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like everyone can, I mean, maybe not everyone, a lot of people can understand that this isolation element with COVID, but like your wheels are spinning upstairs Constantly. and there's no one to pump the brakes nope. on like, no, you will be okay. No, there are people that, you know, like, yep. oh my God. So damn. Four, so four days into this, my doctor comes in and sits down and says, we got your blood work back. I've got some info, you know, some news, some information, whatever. And they said, you, your blood work came back. Um, you are HIV positive. 
and that was why I got so sick. So my 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 T cell count, which is how they judge your how they measure your um uh your immunity. Thank you. Yes, your immune system. Um, I it was around three hundred. You get an AIDS diagnosis at two hundred, and Damn. so I was very I was I was very I was my body it was bad it was going down it was getting Damn. so I um so I found out four days into this that I am HIV positive. I don't have a ton of education on HIV at that point, and so I knew that it could be fatal, but I didn't know. I knew that AIDS was definitely more likely to be fatal, but HIV wasn't as fatal, but I didn't know how, and I didn't, was, right. I didn't have any information. Right. The doctor didn't have any information. It was kind of funny because he was really nervous, and he told me the information, and I'm, I mean, I was raised in a cult. I'm very capable of controlling my emotions <laughs> um, uh, not showing them, yeah, and right. I actually, like, comforted him. He's like, oh, I've never had to give this information to anyone. I'm like, you did great. I literally told him, I was like, you did great. Thank you so much. Then he leaves the room. I fucking fall apart. I'm like, I can either keep this from my family or I can just tell them everything because that was part of the the cult mindset is that you have to give information to people. Yeah. So I just text my mom and my sister and that was it. That was, I just like, I just needed to get it. And then It's they, out of my hands. <laughs> they, oh, this moment was really difficult. They all showed up later because at that point I didn't have to be isolated anymore because they knew where right. the, what the infection was. Um, they all showed up, and my dad, who's someone who doesn't cry, doesn't show emotion, just f- broke down, <sighs> fell apart because he didn't have he had less education than I did, and he thought that it was that I was going to die. Like that's what wow. you know because he also grew up in the eighties with the um, HIV AIDS crisis and. So when people got that diagnosis, they died. Yeah, you know? right, right. And it was very traumatic to experience that. And that was six months after I finally came out and was, like, finally started to live my life. It was immediately put at a halt, a halt because of that. And so two years later, I found out some information that I didn't know. I don't want to go into too much detail. But two years later, I was talking to a nurse about my experience and some of the things that happened, some of the symptoms I was experiencing. And I told like one of the main processes in my body had just stopped functioning for weeks. And, um, and, and she was like, Oh, what, what process was it? And I told her which, which process it was. And she goes, Oh yeah, that's, that's the first process when your body is dying and shutting down, it takes resources from other parts and, and, and right. re, um, like directs them towards the critical things like your brain and your heart. Right. So it keeps them going as long as possible. And she said the first process, that stops is that one. So I was actually literally dying. Like as far as my body was concerned, I, that was, it was shutting down. My body was literally shutting down. And so I say that because when, you know, I didn't, I finally get to come to this point where I open up and I, I'm authentic and I accept myself. And then that happens. And it felt like it was because I was gay, you know, because I participated in that lifestyle. This was my punishment. Um, And I had to, I had to stay with my parents for a week. I stayed in the hospital for a week and then I had to stay with my parents for a week because I couldn't do anything for myself. I could feed myself, but that was it. And it took, I would sit up, take about three or four bites and I would literally be exhausted and I had yeah. to lay back down and rest literally feeding myself was exhausting wow. um, my dad had to help me to bed I had a, f- a fever that wouldn't break for a week it was 
It was oh. rough. It was really rough. I was really sick. And then I just had to go back to work and go back to life after that. And the, it was, it was just, it was overwhelming and traumatizing. And, and it, and I, what, oh, what the point I was saying that is when I was staying with my parents, my dad, I told them that I was so terrified. I told him, I was like, I gave my heart back to God. I got saved again. Like I let Jesus back in, you know? And he was like, I'm so glad, to, you know, I'm so glad to hear that you did that. And so glad that he's because homosexuality is the worst sin ever. And I remember laying on the bed too sick to do anything about it. And I just remember thinking like, oh, wow, like murder is a sin. So you think that being gay is worse than murder? Like that was the thought that went through my head. Like, yeah. how could I be worse than all of these other things? Not that, you know, I'm not putting things on a scale, but at that time, right. that's how it was presented to me. It's pretty it's pretty unnerving to like hear your parents say that who you are is the worst thing that could literally ever happen to you, you know, yeah. Yeah. after almost dying a week before, you know, yeah, super great way to start your queer journey. <laughs> and so, but I say that because that's how it started. Yeah. It started out like I lived, I finally got out of this cult for like six months and then right back into another trauma. Yeah. And that's how I've started my, so everything, everything from that point on, when you have a life altering experience like that, everything now becomes defined from that perspective. So I went into survival mode, literally survival mode, yeah. because I was having to now navigate this illness um, on top of trying to accept myself for being queer and being gay at the time. Yeah. I identified as a, as a cis man and a gay cis gay man and trying to navigate both of those things. I had to move back into the house of this of this Christian couple. And I had to, I had no other choice. Right. My sister and a friend had to move all of my stuff because I was in the hospital. That's whatever. Um, and so then I was here again. I was stuck here again. Couldn't go anywhere because I was too sick to do anything. And it takes years to recover from that kind of, that kind of an illness and yeah. getting, you know, get, having to take the medication, having to, go through all the stuff which started my medical journey that I have will have for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like I will never not be going to the doctor at least twice a year, you know, yeah. for blood work and checkup. Yeah. And so then, you know, I'd actually started drag. That was when I started drag. I did. So I came out in August, 2013, did drag for the first time in February of 2014, got sick in March, got my diagnosis and then performed in drag for the first time in March, the month after I got sick. Because wow. I no in April I mean I'm sorry, it's February March April, because I just doing drag was the only time in my entire life that I could escape it was my once a month escape. I created this persona that was perfect, was great, was amazing and funny, and everyone loved her and you know all that kind of yeah. stuff. I created this escape for myself. Yeah, and leaned into that and did that for um, for three years. So I like. So I performed for the first time in April of 2014. October of 2014 is when DJ Anya, who does Boy Division on yes. the show, DJ Anya and I started Club Triangle. Um, less than six months, like six months after my, that diagnosis. That was really loud. That was so close. There was a, <laughs> there's a bar in this same building, yeah. and I think we share a wall. There was just, a, it was like a, a storage knock, room wall. Something yeah. dropped or something. Um, there are spirits around. Anyway. There are spirits here. <laughs> um, uh, so you started Club Triangle. So I started Club Triangle, which basically, like, kind of in many ways saved my life because it really took me through yeah. some really, 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 really difficult times in my life, like, allowed me to have that escape. Yeah. 
However, and I'm so thankful for it. Um, however, I do not recommend someone so new in their queer journey taking on such a big role in the community. Yeah. Because at that time, the only other drag show that was happening was really toxic and 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 it wasn't good. It was a bad. It was a bad situation. The people who were running it were not very good. Bad quality, good bad taste. Exactly. <laughs> bad people. Um. And so we started this, and so all of a sudden it became the thing. It became the drag show. It became the queer everything. And then all these people were looking at this drag queen and DJ Anya. Who, DJ Anya was great and could carry that burden. You know, she's been out for a while, and you know she was. But me, I was fucking brand new to everything, and here I am in this established in this position where I'm telling people things from a stage yeah. that they're listening to. Yeah. <laughs> and then two years later, I'm on the Pride Board, the Humble Pride Board, which that's a whole other podcast that yeah. I can't talk about now. Yeah. But it ended very, like, on the last year that it existed. It was very traumatic. It was very awful to go through that. And that was the first three years of my, of my, like, coming out. Like, went right into Club Triangle, went right on the Pride Board, went through all that trauma. Yeah. And that, of that ending and that happening. And then like took a year off and have been kind of like trying to slowly rebuild over since that point. And yeah. Well, and then COVID, you know, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you 2014, which, and then 2017 is when kind of like all my mental health issues kind of came to a climax and I had to, I had a really scary moment at that point and um, like admitted myself. And I'm telling you this in as a proud thing, not as a, as a mistake, I admitted myself to the local mental health hospital for 24 hours on um, suicide watch, and it was life changing. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made. It connected me with um, mental health uh, care that I did not have before and did not know I needed before, and I'm very happy I did it. So if it's a terrifying, it's a terrifying experience. It's overwhelming. I I needed to do it long before I did. Um, but I was just avoiding it because it is terrifying. We talked earlier about queer, trans, non-binary people mm -hmm. navigating the medical system. The mental health system is even more terrifying. Oh, yeah. so at that time, ooh, this is a fun one. Oh, I forgot at that time. So by 2017, at the beginning of 2017, is when I realized I was not a, I was not a cis man. I knew that. I knew that I wasn't a cis man. I knew that that I was not that I was not cis. The only, I was so new and so new to everything, so uneducated, that the only I only understood the binary. So I knew right. that I wasn't a man. The only other thing I could be was a woman. Right. So I came out in 2017 as a trans woman and lived as a trans woman for a year. And it was definitely better. I don't regret any part of it. The journey was was exactly what I needed. And then around 2018 or 19, 2018, I believe, around that time is when I realized that I was non-binary and I came out as a non-binary and I didn't really come out at that point. I was just like, Hey, my pronouns are they, them use them, please. <laughs> like that was, I didn't come out again. That's technically a coming out. I mean, cause you have to quote unquote come out. Right. I, every person I had to tell. Yeah. Right. right. But I think on Facebook, I was like, by the way, these are my pronouns. And that was it. That was all the information nice. I got. Nice. <laughs> um, but so I am identifying as a trans woman at this time where my mental, when I admit myself into the mental health hospital, this experience, um, first of all, I get food shamed. Like they tell me to eat healthier cause that'll help my mental health. And I'm like, well, I buy what I can afford. And they're like, you know, it's not that difficult to shop on the outside. Oh my 
Yeah. So that was one person. Just think about something else. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. Joke. Just buy better food. With what money? I'm not. It was bad. Anyways. Yeah. I'm sitting with someone in this mental health facility. They're sitting with me while paperwork is being processed. Un apropos of nothing, this woman looks at me and says, "So, uh, you're gonna have are you gonna have the surgery like down there, and and references um, like the groin area, her, yeah, her groin area. So you're gonna have the surgery like down there." I'm sitting in a mental health facility on suicide watch for 24 <laughs> hours, and that's what she asks me. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about queer and trans people navigating the medical system. That's the kind of shit we have to deal with. And it's little things like that. I'm sure she was just curious. I'm sure she didn't think that affected you at all. And that's where education comes in, yep. allies. That's where the education, because that second glance, that casual question that you just want to know, if I, that yep. would destroy and I'm sure, to a certain extent, destroyed you. If I hadn't been in a medical facility, it would have had it would have been Ugh. even more damaging and unsafe for me for that person to ask that question. I'm so livid about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, I've been upset about that for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't. My coming out story is pretty sad, and I understand that, and I recognize that, and I'm. I don't. I say apologize. I'm not apologizing for my story. I'm just sorry that I don't have a... I would like to say, though, I am doing much better now. I am in therapy, on medication, um, working. Like, my life is stable right now, and I'm very, very, very thankful for that. And I just want that to be said and be very clear that I. it's been a long road. It's been tough. Every single step of it has been excruciatingly painful but I'm so much better now and I'm so glad that I went through that I got the help that I needed and did what I had to do to get that help it was it's not easy it wasn't easy it wasn't this big beautiful moment by any means it, it all fucking sucked <laughs> every single part of it even the good parts even the good parts <laughs> fucking sucked and I'm still so glad I did it because I, because I'm here and I'm doing this and this is where I want to be. So I'm, I'm so glad that I, that I did the things that I needed to do, got the help that I needed. Um, but I just kind of wanted to tell my story. I know we're getting close to our end, our end time, but I just wanted to tell my story mostly because it is a lot better now. Like, you know, especially in Pride Month, we talk. They talk about rainbow washing, and you know, a lot of people are really frustrated. And I get it. I'm not. I'm not invalidating that. But I know that it is a lot better. Companies are acknowledging Pride. Things are happening. Education is getting out there, and it is a lot better. But I just want people to know that still, in this time, in 2022, um, in this era, people are still having these kinds of coming out stories. People are still going through this kind of stuff. People are still um, really, really struggling to live authentic uh, authentically. And that's why we're saying the little things matter. Learning to ask for pronouns, respecting names, not reacting. The little things matter because people are still having these kinds of experiences. It's better. It's not by any means where it should be. And it's not right. great for everyone. And it's not better for everyone. Right. So just remember that. 
we, I would like to say, remember that and, and validate, encourage, like, like do what you can to make queer people's lives as good as they can possibly be because we are still having these kinds of experiences, you know? And to build on that, yes. there's, there's a very real difference between being tolerated and being celebrated. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this is kind of a realization that I've come to recently that I hadn't been, I had only been tolerating myself mm -hmm. until recently. And that's, in, in my experience, and I, you know, the moments like those deep, really like lowest points, those perspective changing, whether it be uh, like you encounter a real possibility that you would die or um, a very real like moment that you have to choose life. Mm -hmm. It's it's really um, I lost my train of thought, but. Um, Okay. I what have. You, you said in those moments that we have to choose life. Uh, no, it's gone. Okay, it's fine. It's gone. Um, we are getting close. I do yes. have this thing. Yeah, I have a I little saw that. book. I love that. D how do you feel about it? Yeah, we've got five minutes before we kind of have to wrap up. Is that like a, What is it? It's a little. Okay, so what I have, it's called Glad Day. It's a daily meditations for queer people. Oh, it, I love that. It lists all the LGBTQ, well, just LGBT people. Mm -hmm. But, um,. For all queer people. So it's got like the month and the day, but not the year. So you can go back every oh, year and cool. read this little message. So what's today's? What is today? The 18th, 18th of June. 18th. Um, we've got. Oh, Ooh. sorry. This is very. I love it. Very applicable. So the quote um, uh, at the top, there's a quote and then a little thing and then like a, a thing that you can repeat so learn what you are and be such said Pindar mm -hmm. it's difficult for some of us to take a compliment when others respond favor favorably to us we may wonder if they knew if wow I'm just gonna okay. start over. you're doing great it's difficult for some of us to take a compliment when others respond favorably to us we may wonder if they know who we really are we may believe that if they knew the whole truth, they would think less highly of us. We are not imposters. We're complex people who are continuing to evolve. This is so applicable to what we were just saying. It's really good. We may be competent. Yeah. We may be competent, sober, generous, and successful, and at the same time still have uncertainty, uncertainties and self-centered fears. We can give ourselves permission to be whatever we are in our process of development or recovery. This means acknowledging not only our shortcomings, but also our successes. We can value what we've worked to accomplish and become willing to accept others' praise and congratulations without feeling fraudulent. Our progress is real. Oh, we yes. can let We can let it empower and nurture us. And so the little like mantra that they have at the end is like, or it says, Today, my image of myself is positive. I accept the reality of my progress. That's beautiful. That's so cool. I, 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 want, I need to get that book. Where did you get it? Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it later. So it's by Joan Larkin. <laughs> Joan Larkin? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
It's called. It's just called Glad Day. Okay, I'm gonna look um, it up. That's cool. It's really, really sweet. My lovely mother, my lovely mother, got Aww. me that book. That's amazing. Um, but what I, I thought about what I was, the thought I was on, um, the the idea of celebrating and tolerating yourself. Yes. Those those deep dark moments that you that you, I think those moments are the choice that you are choosing or that I have chosen to celebrate myself instead of tolerate. Yeah. Because getting to those points where. For me, getting to those points where I didn't see any other option other than to not exist. Mm -hmm. That, in my opinion, had been because I wasn't acknowledging my needs. I yep. wasn't acknowledging my boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, there wasn't any other reality. But, but in those, like, really sometimes heavy yeah. situations, that is the switch that, that you then choose to celebrate yourself and like you're doing it you've you've chosen and you've like it, it it's hard to unpack shame from doing things for yourself mm -hmm. like it was saying taking a compliment is really yes, hard because really hard it's so associated with something else mm -hmm. um but I, I i'm i'm very stable in saying that you are celebrating yourself it's hard, and that doesn't mean that it's easy from here on out. Yeah. But you have taken and you are taking steps to celebrate yourself, and it shows. It just completely shows because you are choosing where your body is. You mm -hmm. get to choose what beauty you put your body in front of. Yeah. And, and that is empowering. That is what living with pride is, you know? I love I love that. Oh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. That was me dropping my phone slash mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to actually drop the mic, so we don't own these. But yeah. yeah. Mic dropped. I'll just lift it up and put it down yeah, very carefully. Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a great thing to end on. Like, thank you for sharing your story, Emerson. That was beautiful and amazing. <sighs> thank and you. I love, I love hearing that. Thank um, you. Yeah, it's really, it's, I'm, I'm glad that you did that. And I thank you that. for sharing yours. I, it, it's hard. It's hard to mm -hmm. share these really heavy stories, but yeah. thank you for saying it out loud. It needs to be heard. Uh, thank you. It was the, thanks for creating space that I could do that. Uh. So we're gonna leave you all with a pride playlist that I looked up on Spotify, and it just looks cool. So, anyways, but the but it's Lady Gaga on it, real quick. It's the first song. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> literally. Um, but if you would like to follow us on Instagram, you oh, yeah. can. Um, it's our turn pod. Um, and if you want to email us, it's our turn pod at gmail dot com. Uh, we I do upload this as a uh, podcast. It's available on Google, Apple, Spotify, and Podbean. So uh, look us up if you want to. And thanks for listening. Have a great yeah. day. We love you all. We love you. Take care uh, of yourselves. Go drink some water. Drink some water, yeah.